All right. Um, okay, so it said in the English one, page 12, right, the, towards the top of the page. <clears throat> in the Hebrew, it's page 13, towards the bottom, Oiz Dalid. We already started Oiz Dalid, but it's the beginning of a whole new thing, and there's a lot to talk about, so we'll start from the beginning again. <clears throat> but before we go into Oiz Dalid, let's just summarize where we're holding. Let's just put things into perspective. <laughs> so we began this part of the book by saying that all... All negativity, all um, uh, uh, bad things happen from forgetting God. If one remembers God, if one is able, right? What distance is a person from God? Forgetting God. And therefore the first thing we have to know, is that that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to, we want to feel God. And not just be like a servant, but to be like a child. And then he went in over here that even though seemingly we should, it makes sense seemingly to begin from below to above, right? Chaim, Chaim. Thank you for the bottle. Nice one. Uh. But he says we, we really should begin from the bottom up to first purify the body and only then to start doing meditative practices. But he says that, that won't work because we'll end up with nothing. What's called in Hebrew, karech mikan mikan, bald on both sides. We won't have anything. <coughs> so we have to right away start with the machshava. <coughs> then in his gimel, he started explaining that the whole Indian of b'nei machshava toiva is to be able to have strong thoughts, to be able to direct our thoughts, to be able to meditate in a, that's what the book is about, in a, um, um, uh, um, a pre, um, no, preserved fashion to be able to meditate to persevere in, in the same thought for a long time enduring. huh? Enduring. enduring endure the thought <coughs> keep the thought going now he said we learned in Oiz Gimel and that there are two things that usually hold a person back from, from being able to have machshava for being able to meditate on Hashem and what's that? the lack of his oiros the lack of passion we spoke at length about <clears throat> the piece from the Tzavaziris from Pizetzner where he says that every person by nature has to have passion. So if you don't use it for God, <clears throat> it'll either be for improper things or a person will develop a, a sickness of the soul, anxiety or something. Yeah. So, But he says, so one thing is lack of passion. That's one reason it's hard to keep one's thought. And he brought a proof. He brought a proof that when there is passion... When you are involved, when your heart's involved, it's easy to keep your thought involved. What's that, for instance? It brings an example, Yom Kippur. <clears throat> Yom Kippur, you're, we're all passionate, right? At one level, of, we, all, we all are woken up in Yom Kippur, right? In Neila, at least, it's <coughs> So those times, it's not hard to keep a focus, like in the middle of shofar blowing, you don't like start thinking about, uh, uh, oh, I forgot I have to make that phone call. Like, middle of Shema in the middle of the year, sometimes, many times that does happen, right? I heard once, uh, somebody once joked, it's not funny, but they said that the reason that Jews are so good in business is because they have three Shema a day to think about it. <laughs> so so th- that's, that's unfortunately not funny, but that, that's what happens sometimes. But... Um, but in a way, in many ways, it's a good thing. It's like a weird thing you say that, but it's actually in a weird. I know it's terrible, but it's true. But it, it, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world because it's like if everyone just stopped and paused for three times a day, it wouldn't you know? Like even if they're just meditating on work, let alone meditating on their life, work is just the most obvious it, thing. It, it's not the worst thing in the world. 
if you're just sitting there the whole day and then just getting on the bus and going home without those moments in between, sometimes it, it could be very like. So I want to tell you something, Evan. I want to. Not <clears throat> I know what you're saying. This I, I get it. But no, 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 no. I want to. Yeah. I want to agree with what you're saying. Yeah. That 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 the idea of, 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 I mean, even meditating on one's breath, the meditating on yeah. mindfulness of body, the, the idea of slowing down the mind yeah. is not, I actually just heard a shir from my Rebbe, from a Bormagri, said that that's, that's, not a, that's not an added element to Yiddishkeit, it's what all of Yiddishkeit is based on to be able to, to, to do that. Because that's what speak, we've spoken about the quieting of the mind, that, that idea. But what I want to say to you is that Chazal say, right, the Chazal say in the Mishnah, they would wait an hour. Shoyin, that's the word that he used. Shoyin, like shihir by Shabbos is when you keep something on, on the fire, right? Shihir. <clears throat> so they would shoyin, they would wait an hour before and after daven, and then they would daven. What were they doing during that hour? So exactly what you're talking about. They're meditating, yeah. right? That, that's that's what they, before they would daven, they would sit and they would meditate. So that's intrinsic to, 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 to Yiddishkeit. But what he's saying is that to be able to have, to sustain, that's the word I was looking for before, to sustain a thought for, for a long amount of time, you need passion. And the, and the proof he brings is Yom Kippur. That Yom Kippur, we could keep the focus. By Tkir Shofar, you could keep the focus. Why? Because your heart is involved. Something your heart is involved, so you're able to keep focus. That's one thing that causes the difficulty in keeping Machshava, the lack of passion. And the second thing is what seems to be a natural uh, um, blemish that a person will say, I don't have a strong mind. What could I do? I wasn't born with a strong mind. How am I supposed to have this thought, for, sustain this thought and meditate? I don't have a strong mind. <clears throat> it's, like asking for, for, it's like asking a person, uh, not, of a, not, a, not a wise person, to come up with a deep Talmudic idea, which obviously doesn't make sense. You can't ask that from a simple person. Oh, eat it, get it when it's warm. Is, is meditation and davening the same thing? Or can it be the same thing? It, it just it the same time? Like two yeah. Is yeah. meditation and davening the same thing? Or can it be done at the same time? Well, let me ask you to define your terms. How do you define davening? Well, that's what, yeah, well, <laughs> I've always thought it was one and the same. What, meditating and davening? Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, it depends how you define davening. How are you defining davening? Because davening, you know, by some people, davening could be saying the words. In which case, meditating and davening is not the same thing. But of course, we know that the Iker of Tefillah is Machshev Salev. The Iker of Tefillah is the Kavana. So, therefore, meditating would be a necessary ingredient for davening. But they're still not the same thing. One could well, meditate. What, at the same time. Well, yeah. I mean, meditation is is a necessary preface to davening, but one could meditate and not daven. There's such a thing right. as meditating and not davening during the course of the day to meditate. That's I think the different types of meditation, which Mitzvah will speak davening, more about. Is davening like worthwhile without the meditation? Like, of course. Yeah. We believe we believe in our in our the Anshik Sagdola that established. Our sitter, right? The men of the great assembly. They were 120 of the greatest leaders at that time, at the beginning of Bais Shani, the second temple, and they included prophets. They were Nevi'im among Nanshiknesagdola. And they put the power in these letters of Shmona Esrei for all generations that they will bring about everything that a Jew needs to connect to Hashem. 
So the the, the Alter Rebbe actually Shleim Hashem Aleichem. The Alter Rebbe actually says the Alter Rebbe actually uh, gives a muscle that the letters are like horses that takes you faster than you could go by yourself. The letters are like you know spaceships that bring you right up to Hashem. So the Oisius the the holy oasis of the sitter, yes, objectively they do something to your soul, even if you're not having the right intention. But that doesn't change the fact that, of course, the ikra of tefillah is to be with meditation. So the second, the second thing he says that would be that seems to be that holds back that a person can't meditate, can't sustain a thought, is that would a person say that I'm naturally born with not a strong mind? What am I supposed to do? It's like asking a person that's that's not intelligent to say a, a Talmudic pilpul. <laughs> He says, but that, <clears throat> that, is not, that is not a good uh, uh, excuse either. Why? What does he say? He says, because he says it's not the type of thing we're not asking for a pilpul, right? That, that's what he's going to say in Oizdalad. Everybody has the ability to be able to work on having the thought. The reason that a person says it is because he's never done it, he's never used it. Right, a person that's managed to train their thought could at any time arouse their heart to feel a certain thing and to feel a certain way. But this person is, is saying, well, "What could I do? I, I don't have the, the mind for it." It's because he didn't work on it yet. You didn't you you didn't try to do it yet. Um, oh, now let's go to Oizdal. Let's go to back to Oizdalad. Okay, so that's what, let's start again. Yeah, everyone have the place. But now let's ask a question. So, okay, so you're saying there's this second reason that a person doesn't... Have, the first one is passion. second one is that a person naturally is born without a strong mind. But the Pizetsu says, how could that possibly be? How could it be that a Jew is born without a strong mind? And the way he's going to say, because we all come from prophets. Right? It's important to know that the, the Pizetsu always makes reference to the fact that what the Gemara says that we're b'nei nevim, imlei nevim him, b'nei nevim him. I remember what the Gemara talks about that when uh, they didn't know what the halacha was with bringing the knife from the korban pesach, and so one of the chazal said, "Let's see what let's see Baba ben Zuda, let's see what the Jews do because imlei nevim him, b'nei nevim him. If they're not prophets, they're the children of prophets. So the piyazetzner's um, yesod is." is is his first step always is that Yisrael are b'nei neviim, and so Pizzas says, "How could a taka be that that we don't have a strong a strong machshava?" Now look at what he says: "Halay machshava einena seichel." Those words are very important. We've spoke about them. I'm going to speak about them again. What does that mean? He says, "Halay machshava einena seichel." Machshava is not the same thing as seichel. B'nei machshava toiva is not about intellectual, cognitive, you know, scholastic thinking. Seichel. What's machshava? Machshava is a muscle of the mind. It's a muscle, like any muscle. How do you pick up more weights? Huh? It's the, the Gemara. The Gemara is... The practice is not something that they've analytically discovered. Which practice? Proven. In the Gemara, where they say... Yeah, yeah. It's not because they like figured out the correct halacha intellectually. Right. Right? It's coming from a place deeper than intellect. Right. So yeah? if that's connected to, being, to having machshava, it's not because of intellectual accomplishment. Right. Exactly. Right. It's not intellectual accomplishment. That's what he say, he's going to say. It's a muscle. It's not something. It's not seichel. And again, so we, we've spoken about seichel is intellectual, intellectual uh, prowess. And machshava is the act of thinking. And again, the, you know, the, 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 um, the fact that we're all capable of sitting... And, and and staring at a screen 
for a sustained amount of time means that we're capable of our minds being focused. It just has to interest us enough. Right? So that's, uh, we all have the ability to focus our mind. He says, he says it's not seichel that you could say, because we're not looking for intellectual achievement. We're not looking for pilpulim and chakiris. Now, I just want to say, I looked in uh, Rabbi Shulman's wonderful translation, Dovir. I really don't like the way he translated pilpulim. I think he translated as, how does he translate it? But after, after all my mindfulness is not intellectual. Right, what you just said? Yeah. A person may lack a bright, impeded blood. A person may lack a... Mental, intellectual gymnastics. Right? He's he's saying that Machshav is not mental... He calls Pilpulim mental gymnastics, which is a really bad translation. Pilpulim is is Lamdis, is is learning Gemara in depth. Right, it's not Khalilam intellectual gymnastics, but but the point is the Pizatsu says that's not what we're looking for over here. This isn't about a Shimon Shkop. This isn't about a Shev Shmaitse. We're not trying to understand the deep sugi over here. Adraba, uh-huh. the opposite. Rakemuna Pshuta Bahashemanudarshanata. Simple faith in God is what we're we're asking for now. Narvas only what? Elashalaite munase nelemaboy that the faith shouldn't be concealed within you. In other words, we all have that essential faith. Inherent in the Pizetz and the words he's saying, what really it says in Tanya in chapter 18, the author explains that we all have faith within us. Our godly soul is seeing God. Our godly soul is experiencing God and that trickles to faith. But the problem is that that amuna, that faith could be hidden. And the Pizetz is saying what we have to do is reveal it. But before we go by, I just want to take a couple of moments to just say for a second, what's a munapshuta? It's a thing that's thrown around all the time, especially by Breslovers. They love talking about a munapshuta. But what is a taka? What is a munapshuta? The Balshemt of held the whole Indian of Chesidus is connected to a munapshuta. So we understand it's it's not even though it's translated as simple faith, but obviously it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. What what is a munapshuta? What what is it? What's a muna? What's faith? Nominal belief is like two plus two. Mm-hmm. Like, you believe it. Two plus two is four. But if tomorrow someone came and proved to you, like, no, actually two plus two is five, like, okay, that would be impressive and surprising, but it wouldn't, like, shape your world. Right. But if tomorrow someone came and proved to you that your mother doesn't love you, that would shape your world. Okay. Like, that's real belief. Uh huh. Not the kind that you prove. It's like life defining somehow. Uh huh. Interesting. Like, I believe I have two arms. Like, God forbid, tomorrow, like, maybe I won't. Like, who knows? But, like, you know, that's nominal belief. But real belief is, like, I believe I'm a good person or something, you know. But if you tomorrow would discover that you're not, it would be life shaking. Right. Okay. That's so you're saying a belief is like a worldview of, or, or a set of opinions about self, right? Mm-hmm. Or about it's the way, it's the beliefs that you have that define your reality. The beliefs that you have that define your reality. The most essential ways. Okay, so I, I definitely... I, okay, but... Real fu- belief. All right, so belief if that, let me ask you, if that's the case, that, that it's the, the beliefs that you have that define your reality, 
What would the Baal Shem mean when he said that after all his things that he was able to perceive, he still has a muna pshuta like a child? Right. Like you can what does that even yourself mean? all the mathematical quora and, for, and formula and all. You can prove to you all this, but that's all nominal in the end. The real belief are the things that you actually can't prove to yourself and that are so fundamental they've been with you since you were born. You know, okay, I hear, I hear. Okay, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when you believe, this belief level is hard, this is such a hard question to answer, obviously. Uh-huh. But like, it's just this simple faith of like, you know, I could have all this Torah and I could give it over to you and I could make it sense and there's this gematria that adds this thing and it all connects perfectly. But at the end of the day, I might know a lot of that stuff, but I might not have a Munavashuta. And Munavashuta comes from just like this like something deeper, like the love of a mother for a child, like just there, you know, like just some, I think I like that idea, like the love of you, like it, it just exists. You just believe it. You, you just believe it. it. You don't have to prove it. It just is. Good, like it just good. Is. It so, just is. It, I mean, outside, I don't know how else to describe it's it. Outside of the Concert's over already. That was the quickest concert. It's outside of the logical... It's, ma- it's, a ra- it's, it's already outside of the rational basis. It's Kierkegaard's response to St. Anselm's ontological proof. Fool... A child in his father's arms does not get a bride in her lover's embrace. He said no pilpula. Oh, yeah? Doesn't and ask for proof that he exists. In Kashmir, it's a child. Yeah, yeah. Hi, a child in his father's arms does not need proof of his existence. Does not need proof of what? A child in his father's arms does not need proof of his existence. It's a Ha'arin, a halachic man, or a lonely man of faith, one of them. In Kashmir, And from there you shall seek. That's where it is? Uh huh. He said Kier, there was a, um, one of the great scholastic philosophers called St. Anselm of Canterbury, and he came up, he spent weeks and weeks praying to come up with a perfect proof to prove God's existence, what became known as the ontological proof. But, and he prayed for weeks and weeks that he should come up with this proof. And Kierkegaard made fun and said that how could it be, the, 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 if you're praying, why do you have to prove? If you're already in your lover's arms, why do you have to prove that, the, that he or she exists? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so what you're all saying is true. Hasidus just adds one more element. Everything that we're saying now is true, that it's, it just is, it's there, it's inherent, it's worldview. But the vart that, that, that Hasidus brings to it is that the reason that it's there is because the soul is experiencing God. Our nesham is experiencing that's what That's what in Tani chapter 18, the Alter Rebbe says, the orange self is shining in our soul. Our soul is mamr seeing Hashem. That's why the moon of a Jew is deeper than any intellectual proof. Well, let's ask the man's question. Let's say like this. You have a philosopher that wrote a 400-page tract proving the existence of God, which after Kant is probably you could throw in the wastebasket. But Lamaisa, let's say you have a philosopher who wrote 400 pages proving the existence of God. And you have an Alta Yiddish Ababa. An Alta Yiddish Ababa, you know, an 85-year-old grandmother that, has, that believes in Hashem. Who has more certainty of God's existence? So you'd think the guy that wrote 400 pages worth, right? This Alta Baba, she come, come, read a book in her life. But the Alta Baba says no, because qualitatively, anything that your mind... And even before Kant, the Alter was saying, anything that your mind could come up with is going to be finite. The Amuna Pshut of a Jew, which is just the fact that God is shining in your soul. That's why the Baal Shem said, Amuna is Dveikos. The Amuna Pshut of a Jew 
is deeper than anything intellect could ever prove. Because it's the essential connection of the soul with God. That's, that's where our Muna comes from. That essential connection of the soul with God. The dvekas of the soul with God. And so, the Vard of Amuna Pshuta, and that's the only thing I would you know, say a little different, Amuna Pshuta, there are, there are 13, 13 principles of faith that we have to believe, right? But that's not the same type of Amuna Pshuta. Buber had differentiates, I thought that's what you were going to say, Buber, different, he has a book called Two Types of Faith, with uh, conscious Jew, Jewish and Lahavdul, Christian faith, and he says, he talks about, differentiates between belief in and belief that. Right? Believe that. We have 13 principles that we have to believe that there'll be a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Those are things that we, those are sets of belief we have to believe that these things are going to happen. Emuna is belief in. Dveikos. Emuna is the fact that God shines in your soul. That feeling of presence that we have, that's Emuna Pshuta. You're saying it's experiential. Yes. It's that feeling of presence. So if you don't experience it, you don't have any... If you don't... It, the, well, your, or your munapshut is, is concealed. Every Jew has it. That's what the says in chapter Yerches, in the chapter 18. But, but, but sometimes it could become concealed by the Ruch Shtus, by, by all sorts of you know, things, seductions of this world. It could be concealed. It doesn't mean you don't have the Muna. It's like a person that's driving a car in the middle of a snowstorm and goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, you have to check my eyes. I can't see. I was driving and there was all the snow. I couldn't see something with my eyes. So the doctor says, the optometrist says, did you put your windshield wipers on? He's like, no. He's like, you're an idiot. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. You have to put the windshield wipers on. So there's such a thing that a person, there's snow, the snow of this world, of, of the pleasures of this world, of the forbidden things of this world, that snow could sometimes make that one is not in, so not in touch with one's divine soul. And that's what the altar brings a proof over there in Tanya, that we thought throughout the generations there were many Jews that weren't particularly observant, weren't particularly you know, profound believers. And yet when it came time, if they had a choice between converting or dying, they preferred to die for Hashem. And you see that inherently we all have that amuna, that amuna pshuta. But I want to just say like in, in, in a simple words, amuna pshuta, like when you wake up in the morning and you say maida'ani, with, you haven't even thought of anything. There's just that feeling of presence. That's amuna pshuta. Before your brain starts trying to churn out all different explanations, you know, uh, definitions, that feeling of presence, that there's something here, that feeling that I, I, I feel that, that, that God is there, that's a munapshuta. Mm. So Pizanta says that's what we're looking for over here. We're not looking for deep intellectual proofs. Mm. We just want that that feeling that we live with of presence shouldn't be concealed in us. Rak bechinas vahemin b'ashem v'yachshaveha. It's a play on words. We did this last week. <clears throat> the pasuk says by Avram, vehemin b'ashem v'yachshaveha l'tzdaka that Avram believed in Hashem, vehemin b'ashem, and God considered it a righteousness. But he's like making a play on words. He's saying vehemin b'ashem v'yachshaveha. Which means that you have a moon of Hashem and you think about it. That you have an expansive, wide thought about the moon. In other words, that feeling of presence, you don't just look at it and look away. We could look at a million things, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that TikTok eat people's, eats people's souls, right? Because 
one of the main one of the reasons it eats your soul is because the idea that you don't you don't even have to invest more than half a nanosecond. If it doesn't interest you like this, you just swipe the screen. And that's like the worst lesson that you could possibly be told. Right? That's like the worst thing that there could be. That, that not to look away, when it comes to Hashem, to not look away. When it comes to that feeling of God's presence, stay with it, keep it. Uh, 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 develop it. Keep, how, what else could I do with that? that bring it into machshava. Have a muna and think about it. And he goes on, let's go, we're going to page 14 in the Hebrew. Such an expensive thought that fills the whole body. Such a thought that's so strong that it fills the whole body. What in the world that means, we'll see later. Come on, we'll understand later what that means, that it fills the whole body. But it means experiential to the extent that your whole body is experiencing it. You could call it that, yeah, yeah. It's so strong that it, it overcomes all of you, right? We, we all experience that again. You experience that on, when you, on some chastar when you're dancing. You experience that, you know, that you feel that your whole body is in it. Oh, we'll get to Mitzvah But as the Piazetzner, why should a Jew be lacking this? A Jew who is a Bnei Nevi'im, who are children of prophets, why should they be lacking? <clears throat> Why should we be lacking the ability, this imaginative faculty and this strong thought? Why? Why should we be lacking it? We're B'nai Nevi'im. Remember last week we spoke at length about how the imaginative faculty is the seat for prophecy. That's already in the Rambam. That what, what part of the mind is gonna, is, has prophecy is the imaginative faculty. And so we all have that faculty. We're all children of prophets. We have the imaginative faculty. We have the and and you know what the proof is that we have the imaginative faculty when it comes to things that we're not supposed to think about. There you see your imaginative faculty is very very proficient, very accurate. Like Mamash, uh, your you, your imaginative faculty works overtime. So we have the imaginative faculty. The only issue is to be able to what? Look what he says. Poshetu. You know why we don't have it when it comes to Yiddishkeit, when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Mipnei shalei ishtamish You haven't used it. Pasha, you haven't spread your wings. You haven't used it. Kein gam tivashal kol The Pizantzer says we know that any faculty of the body, any physical koyach that a person has, any faculty... If you don't use it for long enough, it'll become weak. Right? We know that with every muscle. If you don't use it for long enough, right? I see in the hospital all the time that they have you know, people that are in bed that have to be in bed for two weeks. They could lose the feeling in the leg. They do have to do all sorts of things with the legs because if you don't use a limb for long enough, it, God forbid it could lose its strength. So that's with any limb. Right? That's, what, that's what exercise is all about. So he says the same thing over here. That when it comes to that, that if a person doesn't use their machshava, it gets weak. See, it's interesting. It's, 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 when it comes to things that we're not supposed to think about or when it comes to watching something, so then we're passive. It's always easier when you're passive, when your imaginative faculty is being... Uh, um, something is, is, is using it, is showing it to it. Mm-hmm. When it comes, the reason that it's so hard for us to daven is because we have to generate it from within. Mm-hmm. It's not something that your passive 
seeing, receiving. receiving. But rather you have to self-generate it. That's the, that's the difficulty. And he's saying, mm-hmm. but that all comes because one hasn't trained oneself. I was just having a conversation with you. Yeah. That came up like this, that the mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness, the exercise of mindfulness requires both quieting, like quieting distraction and quieting the noise, and then generating, like creating articulation. Like journaling is a mindfulness practice, let's say, that is not easy. You know, you have to actually create words and make them make sense and right. sound good. And then, like, also sometimes just like clearing the mind is a mindfulness practice. Like, there's the negative of clearing it out, more I guess, than the, than the active, the active like creation of tefillah. Uh, like davening requires kind of both mm-hmm. the quieting of distraction and the generating of something, some idea of communication, connecting. I mean, Jude says Kislev, that's the whole idea of Chesidus Chabad. It goes without saying that the idea of the, the positive of having ideas of godliness that one is generating. Because that's is going to have other things to, that you choose the imaginative faculty, not, not the same type in Chabad, but yeah, it's about generating positive thinking. The problem is that too many people think that when the Kedusha Samachshava, the Kedusha Rimspi in the Sevesir Sarfik Kodesh, you know the Sevesir Sarfik Kodesh? You don't? A ger chassid like you? Sir Safer Kodesh is a set of three swarm of all like ideas from the Kotzker, the Chidush Arim, the Svasemes, a lot of the Polish of the Alexander. It's very chosh of a... Some it's a potpourri, sometimes by topic. It's like a whole mishmash called Sir Safer Kodesh. So one of the things that brings it from the Chidush Arim that the Chidush Arim spoke a lot about is that people think that Kedusha Samachshava, being holy thought, is what not to think about. Don't think about a purple elephant. <laughs> so everyone thinks about a purple elephant. That's not Kedushas Machshav is generating holy thoughts. Then automatically, then you know, like the Rambam says, then automatically, then 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 improper things won't come. So Pizanza said it's all about training oneself. That's the nature of all all, all powers of the body. If you don't use it, it gets weak. Vilayoid, and not only <clears throat> from disuse does the power of thought get weak. Not only that. But more than that, you are using your body and you are using your five senses. You're not, not training your thought, but you are using your body and your senses. You're doing what you need to do to get through the world. So what happens? Then the work that you do with your body makes your machshava weaker. <clears throat> in other words, when a person, by nature, when you're using your body, you know, in, it, you're not able at the same time to have deep thought. When you're actually using your body to do stuff, you can't at the same time have deep thought. Of course, then they, it's talking about if you go for a walk or something, it's talking about that you're actually using your body to labor or something, you can't have deep thought. So he says, <clears throat> so not only do, does this use make that our machshava gets weak, but because we're using the body and our senses for other things, and you're not using your machshava, we'll get back to these words in a second, and you're not using the machshava, so then the body makes the soul weak, makes the, the, the machshava weaker. <clears throat> Let's read a little second. And he says something fascinating, and we'll come back in a second to those words. But the doctors use 
This very thing that we're afraid that's going to happen, sometimes psychologists use it. And it's fascinating. The Pizetsan wrote this, I guess, in the 20s or something. But that's mamash. It's today like what, what's always told people. That what? That a person that has anxiety, what should you do? You have racing thoughts. You have anxiety. Those, those that have been through it know it's, it's hell. That you have anxiety. You can't stop your thoughts. You, you're mamash inundated. So what should you do? So one of the things that doctors say to do is manual labor. Do things with your body. Mindless lay, like gardening or something. Be doing something with your body. And that's going to lessen your thoughts. Behavioral therapy. Behavioral therapy is what it's called? Part of behavioral therapy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Creating behaviors that are therapeutic for the mind. For the mind. So one of them is to use the body and that makes the thoughts less. It's actually interesting, you know, in, in, uh, in Buddhism where their meditation is primarily what you were saying before, the negation of thought, mm-hmm. right? At least, I mean, they have also Brahma Viharas, but Lamaisa, the, the main thing is the stopping of thinking. So one of the forms of meditation that they're very into is called walking meditation, mm-hmm. where you meditate on the act of walking, slowly. You slowly walk and you meditate on how your legs are moving, how the ground touches your feet, mm-hmm. and that steadies the mind. Because since you're, you're connecting to the body, that steadies the mind. So the Pizetsna says, that's when it comes to th- th- therapeutic, when it's a therapeutic thing. But Lamaisa, what it also causes, what that means if in the bad way of that, is that if we don't strengthen the makshava and we do use our body, then our makshava gets weaker. The makshavas that we want to have get weaker, right? He says, um, let's go back, because I want to read these lines again. V'loy oid, in, page, in the Hebrew, fort, uh, page 14, fifth line from the top. V'loy oid, not only that. If you are using the body, you are using your senses to do what you need to do. And when it comes to your spiritual machshava, that you're not using. But look at the words that he, that he uses to explain. With your spiritual thought. Is that how he translates it, Shulman? Your spiritual thought? After that, the Okay, so we do not employ our spiritual mindfulness mm-hmm. that transcends the imaginings of our body, our physical endeavors. Or the spiritual body. mindfulness that transcends the imaginings, the imaginings of the body. Okay, interesting. Machshavte aruchnis. What, what he what is he calls it again? I, I never like his translation of mindfulness. We've spoken that many times. Machshav, I don't think is mindfulness, but what's machshav haruchness? Spiritual machshav, spiritual thought. So he says it's lemaile mitsure gufay. Thought that doesn't include pictures of things. That's machshav aruchness. Machshav aruchness is a thought that one is able to develop the ability to think of things that don't include picturing something. Another something that would form the body. It's, what's the? Well, he's eventually the point is also to go beyond siure gufe, the, the imaginings that we usually picture things in the mind. It's imaginings of the body or it's form of the body. I, I can't. You know what do you mean? mean? Do you think think of the word or do you think of? Lamaila mitsure gufe. 
I understand it to mean the thinking, thinking about things that are beyond forms. To come to Machshav Ruchnis. What's the Ruchnis and Gashmis Batsam? What makes one thing more Ruchni than the other? What makes one thing more spiritual and one thing more physical? The less form it has. Right? That what, what, makes, what makes. Why are ideas more spiritual than pieces of wood? Because they don't have a form. Right? The, having less of a form makes it more spiritual. But ideas are also, they have some kind of form. So we're talking about coming to a place of, of thinking beyond forms. Which we're not used to. So that's what he's going to explain, we're going to get to. <clears throat> he says, so, <clears throat> but we're not using that. So then the work of the body weakens the machshava. And doctors use this. To quiet the anxiety, the nerves. When a person's thoughts are, you know, is having trouble with their thoughts, racing thoughts, etc., the anxious thoughts. So what do they say? The doctors advise him, Do mindless activity with your body. And then your, your mind will calm itself down, will get weaker. But the says the PSS said, but what do we have to do that we do want to have machshava? We want to be able to have and develop machshava. He says, Vakavan Shikain, Kishiroit Manulif Gasazu. Listen to these words. Since we want to make this huge step, Psiagasazu, this huge step. Remember Neil Armstrong. One to, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Psiagasa means a giant step. It's actually, it's, it comes from Hilchah Shabbos, right? Psiagasa sur b'Shabbos. You're not allowed to run on Shabbos. Psiagasa is like jumping or running. That's a psiagasa. Literally, the words means a very thick step, meaning a huge jump. But he's saying that's what we want to do. <clears throat> we want to take a psiagasa. We want to take this, what Kierkegaard would call this leap of faith. Minemichas haguf el we want to jump from the lowliness of the body to avodas hamachshava. Now that we could spend a lot of time talking about avodas hamachshava, serving God with machshava. Since we want to take that leap to avodas hamachshava, so tzrichim pashut lahaitziu legalus bana machshava chazaka mechadash. So what do we have to do? We have to reveal this thought, the ability, the potential we have. To have strong thought from anew, ulhargila bavidasa, and to push it, uh, train it. I don't know if you remember. <clears throat> uh, uh, we mentioned at the end of the last class. I think Rebecca, you mentioned. I think training, right? The exercise. That's Mamish. What he says now. He says. He says. How do you teach a kid to walk? Practice. Practice. There's no other way. You can't explain it to someone. They have to push use their legs. So he says the same thing with machshava. Let him practice till he's able to walk. He says the same thing with us. That what do we have to do with avodas machshava? How do we make that leap to avodas machshava? Practice, practice, simple practice. You know, um, I just want to say we. we 
I don't want to go. I didn't want to go out of order, and I don't want to go out of order. But the Piazetzer does speak about the and it's Kadai because I don't. We're not going to get to it so soon, and so that people could that we could start taco working on this. The Piazetzer does Mamer speak about the idea of quieting the mind, and even Chabad doesn't directly speak about that. But it's it's inherent that obviously that a person knows how to do that. Like the Rebbe Shab says in Kunshas Atfilah, the fact that everyone knows how to go to sleep shows that you could quiet your mind. So, but the Piazetzner explains that the hashkata, the quieting of the mind, is to quiet the mind when you're still awake. The Piazetzner actually calls it to be like sleeping while you're still awake. So, the way the Piazetzner says it, and, and we should all start working on it. I mean, you know, we can obviously learn a lot more of details and stuff, but to push it, start working on <clears throat> trying to hold the thought. And one way to do that is to, focus, to sit and to focus on the breath or to feel your body, focus on the chair. Like if I were to say to you right now, you feel the chair under you. Just focus on that. Just keep thinking about that for a long time. And you see that, that the more you do that, you f- that makes the thought stop. If you keep a sustained amount of focus on the, the chair under you, the, the support that of the ground, you support, when you focus on that, that, ma- that strengthens the mind. And the Pizetan says, there's no other way. It's like teaching a kid to walk. There's no other way to teach a kid to walk. <laughs> so the only way to learn how to meditate is to meditate. There's no, there's no other way. You could only learn how to walk by walking. And he says, And if we teach ourselves to do this, we will have double reward. If we work on this, if we put the time in, and we put the effort not only will, we, will be revealed in us a supernal, wonderful way of thinking that we're not used to, we've never had such thoughts, we've never felt such, such, such deep spiritual thoughts, not only that, but the poison of the physical, of sensual experience, will become weaker, through the avoid of machshava. In other words, the body and machshava are two wavelengths. The body, one is strong and one is weak. They can't, right? The, the Zohar says, Chusha de Gufa tukva de If the body is weak, the soul is strong. If the soul is weak, the body is strong. <clears throat> right? Body, the <clears throat> machshava and body are, um, um, yeah, they're two different wavelengths. So one is, one is strong and one is weak. Like we said before, how working with the body makes the machshava stronger, uh, weaker. So working with the machshava makes the body stronger. If we work on making the machshava stronger, then we're going to be able to also use our senses, that they should be senses, like we said earlier on, to be able to use the senses also for serving Hashem. To train oneself to, to, when you use your eyes, when you use your ears, whatever you're seeing, whatever you're hearing, whatever you're smelling, to be able to feel that also as Hashem revealing Himself. Tough. So we got up to Ois Hey. Anyone have any, before we move on, to anyone have any questions, comments, or criticisms about this? I have a question. Yeah, please. So in, in the philosophical world, yeah. I don't know who said it, but I do remember this. There, there are two ways of thinking. He said it. You can think in, with pictures or you can think with thoughts. I think, from what I remember reading, you can think with words, right? Um, if you think with words or 
train your mind to think with the underlying idea of what the picture is or what the word is. Is that one of the brain training mechanisms sure. that he's talking about? Rav Nachman was very into mantra. You know what a mantra is? Yes. So Rav Nachman was into mantra meditation. Rav Nachman says to just say over and over, just to say it over and over again. So yeah, for sure, that's part of part of the mind training is, yeah, his letters, his words. I mean, the Mishnah Bura starts by, by saying, picturing Yud Kevavke. It's, you know, it's a, it's a mind training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There really is zero-sum game between body and mind. Like, couldn't they work sometimes in tandem? Yeah. Well, when he says the body gets weaker, I don't think he means physically weaker. I think he means weaker from being something that is antagonistic to the mind. Yeah, it's the focus of the mind. Right. No, no, in other words, the body becomes more subjugated to the mind. Right. Mm. I think that's what he means by weaker. It doesn't mean that you become schwach. Right. Because no, I, well, I took my oldest once to, uh, he used to go to a tea at a regulation. To what? To what? To what? Like occupational therapy and regulation tools. Ah. Which is like a psychological emotional problem. But the occupational therapist said you should do wheelbarrows to increase wheelbarrows? Wheel, you know, yeah, well, it's like push-ups for kids. Yeah. Essentially the same muscle. Yeah, to, to develop core strength because the stronger a person's core, the better they are at self-regulating, like psychologically. Huh. In other words, like your mental control of self becomes stronger as your physical control of self becomes stronger. I was like, why? I don't know. Because the mind and the body are one thing. That's why. Yeah, sound mind, sound body. Your mind and body really are one thing. Spinoza was wrong. It's not, you know, uh, extension. It's it's mind and extension. It's one thing, the mind and the body. Right. Yeah. Speaking of which, exercise, physical exercise actually is meditative. Yeah. When you're on a a bench pressing weights, you're not counting off your set. There's nothing else on your mind. You're not also thinking, I wonder that... No, you're thinking about your form, you're counting one, two... That's what he says, the possessor. That's much what he's saying, that doctors recommend for people that have anxiety right. to do physical... Yeah, well, that's, that's specifically with weights, because you can, if you start this... You unfocus, your mind gonna, wanders, your physical yeah, you, you can, you can get crushed, yeah. Right. I'm you're not, running, your mind wanders, because you're just naturally... like It's a very meditative... Running is a different situation, but with but weights... But you're exerting so, yourself. If you're doing yeah. exertion... Well, you're running, you're exerting. That's right, it's true. You're exhausting, yeah. But I find like when I'm running, I listen to podcasts or something like that, and I can just like... Be in that conversation, but my mind is thinking about the conversation because it's just running is boring. That's why it's fine running into something else. But like you're right, if you're bench pressing, you're in trouble if you start wandering off it's the purple elephant. Purple elephant, you'd be. You're really you're count. You're focusing you're on your breath. You're counting. It's yeah. like a steady, yeah. rhythmic focusing on form. You're aware of the bench. You're aware of the weights in your hands. For me, yeah. it's the most meditative experience. It's very meditative. Bench well, pressing. Bench pressing. Like, like working with weights. So like it's like very specific uh-huh. number of sets, like reps, and you have to count it. It's like an hour, and like I feel like I don't think about anything else. You can't. And and yeah, because you can't. So like sometimes I'll dive, and then then I'm like thinking about everything under the sun, and then uh, I go to that, and then I'm like completely <laughs> meditating. Which so is that's uh, that's much of because that's talking yeah, about. and, and uh, I sometimes <laughs> feel guilty about that. Like how come, you know, I can't. I mean, it's not that I can, like, reach that. Di- it's just different. Part. So you have to make dominating to feel like, be like that sometimes. Right. Like, if you could just... 
And for Yom Kippur, so powerful, because the Yom Kippur, like, things are happening, you're fifth hour in the day, you're exhausted, and you're sort of like, your mind's out of it, and people are screaming and yelling, and you're singing Shema, and the, the arms open, you're yelling Shema. Like, this, you changed it up. Right. You changed it up, so it just feels like... So imagine that, you could ch- imagine that you could self-generate that changing Every it up. Every day, three times a day. Like, that's hard. Okay. That's like, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, three times a day, like, that's what like, uh, the Rebbe said, a zero-sum game. So right. once a week, <laughs> twice a week. I know, I know. Or one bracha. One bracha, yeah. One bracha. Actually, you know, I read this thing, our captain, there was like this book, and he was like, you know, when you say the Amidah, like, just the first bracha. Yeah, start with that. Just say the first word and wait three seconds and then say the next yes. word and wait three seconds. And I'm like, there's no way I can do that. And like, that's not good. That's so like, it's not going to do anything. Like, okay, but like, I tried it. And I'm like, you can't keep up in Tina, though. Yeah, it's, but on your own. You can. No, yeah, it's hard. Like, well, that's what I've seen with Davin on their own. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to to keep up. But once I did it, you know, just saying every three seconds, I mean, it's not that much longer. And actually, just for that bracha, you are in a more meditative state. And then, it, like, it changes the whole experience. Sure. Okay. And, and it, it's, it was it was like no, just Jewish, the first... That's in Jewish meditation? Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually in a different book. I don't forget the name right now. It's one of, like... Yeah, yeah, no, it's there's something Ari Kaplan read or something. It's based on the Rav Chaim on, on the Rambam that the first bracha requires a dual kavana, right. essentially. So if you're going to have, try just the first bracha, have the most yeah. kavana you possibly can have. It says don't bracha, move. He says don't. It changes move. your whole shmanis, right? And then you can, you can also create other failsafes, like just whenever you say bracha Hashem. Okay, the whole paragraph before, but say bracha Hashem, focus on for that. Right. Like it brings you wherever your mind went to. It brings you back in. Yeah, for sure. I think the best, the best, and at least in in my humble opinion, I think the word, the best word to focus on in davening is ata. They're addressing God in the second person, I and now. That's that you know, just to really the hair, what to really think what that ata that you're saying. The Rav writes that in the million men. That's that's miraculous. That's when God speaks to. Man, like when, a, when someone receives a nevuah, so it's equally as miraculous to turn to the Lord, God, Master, Creator of all things, and say, "Ata." It's <laughs> one of my favorite it's sentences. It's the same, the same miracle. Yeah. The Rev, the, his whole thing is how prayer and prophecy are two sides of the same exactly. coin of the exactly covenantal that. community. Right. That's a miraculous. One of the most beautiful sentences that I've, in all of it, it literature, I think, the Rev says that when the, those mysterious men of the Great Assembly saw that the colorful prophecy was dying out, they refused to acquiesce that this, mm-hmm. that this strange um, uh, communication will stop, and they said, if God doesn't address man, man will address God. Right. Yeah. But you see, Mama, if the Rav is saying prayer and prophecy is the same thing, it's just direction, right. so, so you see it's using the imaginative faculty. It's also Gzair Shava that right. it's the same Nakuda. It's the same, it's encounter. It has to be encounter. That's the... All right.